Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. I seem fun, a Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 224, live in Brooklyn during the bomb cyclone 2018. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm sorry about my voice. I was, I woke up like the next day with my voice was so much better, but that's how it goes. I have been sick and I am through the hoop. Is that an expression? Of course it's not. This week's episode is brought to you by our friends at Quip. Talkspace, and welcome to our new sponsor, Care of Vitamins. All right, I hope you enjoy this extra special, extra long episode. And again, sorry about my voice. I see to see my gorgeous face. No, I'd hang on. We're going to do this. Oh, I was, um, I, I live, what do you call it? Instagram stories that, and I could hear it going in the background. I'm like, I hear my theme song. Okay. How many people have heard my podcast before? God, I don't have the energy for people that don't know what it is. Because it means I have to put energy into it. Do you know what I mean? You guys get that I just sit and complain. Okay, how many people have not heard it? Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. You're going to like it. It's kind of like stand-up. With zero effort. This is a good little crowd. Um, I should have done it at um, the other one, Union Hall. But I got cocky. I always sell out the bell house. But you know what? Chris Hayes is here tomorrow night, and I know I got a lot of bro followers, so they probably wanted to go to that instead. Okay. Whoa. Sexy. All right. Oh, my voice sucks.
and hate it, you guys. My arm is numb. All right. Oh. For people who don't listen, that's a private joke between me and the listeners. That was a, a vocal warm-up I used to have to do when I had vocal nodules in their back. And I used to have to go, mm, my arm is numb, my arm is numb, my arm is numb. And I used to do it in the shower. And um, in my apartment, you can hear sometimes people in the bathrooms next door. And I was wondering if someone heard that. I was like, someone's having a stroke in the apartment next door. I love that the people that already heard it before are laughing, and the new people are like, I don't really want to... You're going to run down every fucking private joke you've had for four years? You guys are cunts that haven't heard it before. I can read your minds. I hear you. I'm kidding. All right, here we put this here. Um, oh, God, let's see. I'm so excited about this. This is really fun. Um, yay! Thank you for coming out in this. I would not go out in this weather. I tried to cancel the show. They were like, are you fucking nuts? I'm like, oh, sorry. Um, because in L.A., we don't go anywhere if there's weather. And it's different. We don't have the public transport and all that kind of thing. And we're just kind of... I think we're more depressed than you guys are, actually, in a weird way. Like, I really see it. Like, there's a spirit here, no matter what, you know? Um, you know, 9-11. And... Um, <laughs> For the people that don't listen, I mention 9-11 every podcast. I was in it, so it's okay. I say it like it's a musical. I was in it. Um, the original production, yeah. I'm not talking about 2015, 9-11. <laughs> I promise I'm going to stop talking to the three people that haven't heard the podcast. <laughs> but seriously, there's a spirit here that just, we don't have it in L.A. Like, there's just, it takes a lot of effort to get in a good mood in L.A. And um, Because it's, think about it, it's people that need external weather to be in a good mood. Like, you guys have to cook it up from the inside, and you're used to it, so you get it going. We don't do that in L.A. We're like, oh, everything is terrible. Um, And everything is terrible, but if you guys believe that, you'll just kill yourselves here. So, okay, so what are we going to talk about tonight? Well, first of all, so much, so much. First of all, this coming out in the coat reminded me, did I ever tell you guys about the penis from Venus? No? Okay, yeah, exactly. Okay. When I was in... I hate my voice right now. I fucking hate it. I just want to explain to the listeners. No, it's not sexy. This is fucking vocal damage, you psycho. Do you... Do you it's not Joan Rivers had vocal damage. That's why she died, you dumb cunt. She died from getting an upper endoscopy because her voice was so bad. Jesus is right. She loves Joan Rivers. I call her a cunt. I don't like that. I'm calling her a cunt. I'm calling you a cunt for Joan. She told me. No, you guys, it's, not, it's vocal damage, and it, it does affect my livelihood because sometimes in comedy, you might want to do this with your voice, but it, I can kind of do it. It's just, it's in the talking zone that it sucks, and I'll explain why. I'll tell you about this gig I had in Buffalo. Whew. And then, um, but, um, but what's my point? With penis from Venus, hang on. But before that, th- this is vocal nodules. I went to my doctor this week, had an upper respiratory infection. I talked during it. It makes it bad. Vocal no- nodules, swollen. Got real cocky for a year and a half. Voice was good shape. Went on the road. Uh, whatever. Just sometimes this happens. Sometimes they swell. Whatever. Anyway, so got to take care of myself, all that jazz. But what is my point? vocal nodules, not sexy, it's damaged. So it means that they're not vibrating properly. And the more I talk incorrectly, the worse they get. And then I don't got no job, but you're like, good, sexy. What if I had stumps for legs? Would you be like, Ooh, that's hot. I'd be like, no, it's a, 
I had an accident. They had to cut my legs off. I like it. It's like, but that's your fetish. Like that's, but I can't walk. So I don't feel at my sexiest. And I have asked my listeners, does anyone out there have no limbs? Because I do reference people without limbs sometimes. And uh, no one has written me to say so far that they don't have limbs. But I never want to offend anyone without limbs. But I would imagine if you didn't have limbs, you would admit that if someone said to you, whoever's saying Jesus over and over, you must stop. Unless you really are praying. But we don't have to. I seem fun. We don't do Jesus, Jesus. Oh, my God. I'm so shocked. This is, come on. Come on, people. Okay. See, I can't hear you guys listening when I'm at home, which is the beauty. I don't have to know. What was my, I would assume, even if you didn't have limbs, you'd, if someone said to you, hey, I like that no-leg look you have, you'd be like, all right, you know what? That does seem a little weird, to be honest. Like, I'm an equal person. Like, I can do what you can do. But, like, it's weird to be like, I love the look of no legs. Like, it's a weird thing. So it's just as weird to say, I like the sound of your damaged voice. That was the original point, if you're like, why is she talking about this? Uh, this is hard to do live, because you feel like you have to laugh, and then I suddenly care about the laughs. Let's just pretend you're not here and I'm not here. Why? Shut your eyes, pretend you're doing dishes, and I'll just look at the screen. Let's do that. So awkward. So penis from Venus. I was a good kid. Took ballet four days a week, piano lessons, did what the teacher said, goody two-shoes. But I had a weird streak. It's even worse than being a bad kid because it was unpredictable. Once every two months, I'd freak the fuck out and do something really strange. And one time, we had Vivian, the bus driver. She always wore a bun. She had super long hair down to her butt. Kind of an obese woman. And she didn't like to stand up and discipline people on the bus because she was very large, and it would take a lot to kind of get out from behind the wheel. So she always just drove very quietly, and kids would fuck with her about it. And act up on the bus because they'd be like, she can't even get up. And, you know, it was awful. So I was always very respectful of Vivian and would tell other kids, don't do that. She's trying to concentrate and drive. She's got our lives in her, in her hands and you're being dicks and mean about her weight. So I'm eight years old. What a great kid. You would want that kid. <laughs> then one day, a couple months into life, Vivian's getting evaluated by, I don't know who, someone sits in the front and watches Vivian drive and evaluates how she handles things. So I don't know if Vivian necessarily wanted the evaluator to know. I, I don't really get up if something is going wrong. And obviously, if she's driving, she's like a stand up and yell at us. But I mean like at a stop. You know, she never stood up at the bus stop and, and did anything. So... I think ostensibly, if you're getting evaluated and kids are acting up, I think what the evaluator would want to see is that you get up at the stop and go, hey, don't do that. Come sit, you know, whatever. I don't know why I did this. It, it was nothing in my heart about Vivian. Or, but I, I'm eight years old. I've never done anything bad in my life. And I put my coat on like this. My winter coat on with my hood over my head, eight years old. And I get on the bus like this. I'm the penis from Venus. <laughs> and I just kept saying, I'm the penis from Venus, falling into the seats. And by the way, I wasn't like, no one was laughing. People weren't into me. It wasn't like, oh, class clown. It was like, everyone was not into it. And Vivian can't get up 
And the evaluator is looking at her. And I got in such... So there was this girl, Emily. No, Erica, sorry. She used to bark like a dog. And I think it was a defense mechanism to keep people away from her because she assumed they thought she was weird anyway. So I got called into the principal's office the next day. And I said, I, that wasn't me, that was Erica. Because the, the whole, I don't know why I did that. I'm not a bad person either. I've, but once every two months, I'd totally act up and then sell someone out. Like, just fucking, just fucking Rick Gates, everyone. Like, I'll tell you everything you want to know. I'll even make shit up. Anything to not be in trouble, I'll fucking do it. And is it Rick Gates? I just was so self-conscious in that moment. Rick Gates, right? Okay, thank God. Um, in case anyone's not up on Trump Russia, that's the guy that, he's above Manafort, and he just told all. Because Mueller was like, Mueller, he's like, you can go to Bahamas, I don't care, like, dropped all charges. So, shit's coming. Anyway, so, I did that, and then my mom found out, and I kept lying to my mom, like, Erica did it. She's like, I know she did. My mom knew I did it, but she didn't want to admit it. We just, that was it. That was like my weird acting up that year. And I've, I think about it all the time, and I don't know where Vivian is, or I, I don't even remember my life after that, like what I did on the bus. I just know that moment, and I look back, like that scares me. That, that is scarier to me than if you're the bad kid, although the bad kid did end up killing a cop on PCP. So there is some trajectory sometimes, but... Um, that's real shit. But he was in his 20s when he did it. But, like, it started with water balloons in, in you know, 10th grade. <laughs> then it moved up to... And he was so funny that, like, I almost wish I saw it. He would fucking rob you blind while you were talking to him, and it was actually delightful. And you'd be like, where's my swatch watch? Like, oh, Sean. Like, he was crazy. <laughs> but I guess he was talking to a cop, asking him questions, and then he just got in the car and drove off and then fucking ran him down. It's not funny. But if you knew Sean, <laughs> there's something, just the moment where he gets in the car, I bet that was super funny. Everything else gets dark. Anyway, but I worry about myself more as that type of person that acts up once every few months. Um, I did another thing once when the Challenger exploded. Um, have we... T- Why are you guys are very sensitive to me? Um... <laughs> I went to, I was in sixth grade. I was 11, 12. Our classroom went to the media center, which, see, I was the age where suddenly the library was called the media center. I was like, whoa, the future. But all I meant was there was a TV on wheels. That was it. (laughs) I don't know why it couldn't be brought into the classroom. There weren't enough TVs, I guess, to put in every classroom. I don't know. We had to go to the media center. So... The entire sixth grade class, like all the different classes, I don't know, a hundred of us? I don't know how many, I can't remember. We all go to the library. I get there, and I was always teacher's pet. See, this is the weird thing. Teacher's pet, and yet. So the teacher goes, oh, Jenny, she's calling me Jenny, I forgot my glasses. Will you run down the hall and get them? Well, of course, I'm running down the hall as the fucking thing explodes. So I don't know what just happened. So I go get the glasses. I come back and everyone's looking shocked. I go, would it blow up or something? And everyone's like, yes, actually. I'm like, okay, I didn't know. Here's your glasses. And everyone's like, I can't believe you said that. I'm like, why am I? I didn't blow it up. I can't believe the thing happened. 
I'm in trouble? So I had a bad reputation after that. I'm like, no one would have known. If she didn't forget her glasses, I wouldn't have said something like that. I would have been there crying and like, oh my God. Um, we had a teacher in second grade, Miss Ross. She had narcolepsy. So one time, this isn't even what I've scheduled for tonight. I'm just warming up. Um, she was like, kids gather around. So, so someone drew a swastika on a house near the school last night that said, die Jews. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't know you could do that. And so I was so like upset. And I was like, why did they do that if it's not... Like, I thought we got the Nazis, and she's like, no, like, some people still believe in that, and they do that in America. And she was blowing my fucking mind. I was like, what? Like, I just didn't know. I thought once we destroyed the bad people from this thing that they couldn't, I didn't even know you could still be a Nazi. Like, I guess you, why would, yeah, of course, you could still believe that. And so I was, like, so upset, and then, and then she had narcolepsy, so she would fall asleep talking. So she was like, anyway, they drew a swastika, it said, die Jews, and it's really scary, we don't know who did it, and you guys have to be careful, and there's a lot of evil people out there, and then she would just do this. <laughs> and she would just nod off for like 10 minutes, and then come back and go, <laughs> <sighs> and then she would just kind of look around, and we'd be like, you were saying that someone wrote, die Jews, on the building. <laughs> oh, yes, kids, it's very bad, and... But no one ever said, like, this is kind of what I love about growing up when I did, is nobody said to us, the teacher has narcolepsy, and then defined narcolepsy. Every day, we sat in terror for 10 minutes while she went like that, and we just looked. We heard her snoring, so we knew she wasn't dead. We were just giggling, she's asleep. But we didn't want to leave in case she woke up. So we would sit there going, it's been five minutes. We can leave. Shit, now it's too late. Ah, fuck. We do that every day. And then she'd wake up and go, "Mm, uh." and like not one, like, and then finally I told my mom, she goes, oh, I thought I heard there's a teacher with narcolepsy," And she explained what it was. But that's kind of what I loved about back then is like you were in the dark and it wasn't like, well, with all the terrible things going on in schools right now, like obviously it's, it's, I long for times when we didn't have assault weapons, but I also think like, it's horrendous that people have to go to school and worry about that stuff. But before that, like, take that out of the equation. The whole notion of, like, the cafeteria, does it serve peanuts because there's an allergy? It's like there's something Wild West about, like, yeah, we're not going to tell the kids she has narcolepsy. They don't need to know. It's not their business. It wasn't even, like, to protect us. It was like, I don't, why would you fucking tell them? Um, <laughs> because my friend has a kid, and she wants to raise the kid perfectly. And the kid, she's already done some parenting class that didn't work because the kid's six and all the shit she was supposed to have learned as a toddler to not be this way she is at six didn't happen, which I delight in every second because I had to go through the parenting stuff with my friend and the kid. And she would say, my, my kid's going to remember you if you do this with her. I was like, I don't think she's, she's two. We don't remember stuff unless it's like trauma and then it's in our bodies, but... We don't remember the lady that comes over once every two weeks that's waiting for you to open the wine. We don't remember that. <laughs> and then I met her kid again. I hadn't seen her in a year. I met her kid again when she was six. And I do, do you remember me? She goes, no. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so my friend wanted to send her to a class, like a type of school where you don't tell kids about history because it's too traumatic. Do, what are these called? Do you know what I'm talking about? 
It's not Montessori. Waldorf. Is it Waldorf? So my friend was telling me, you, you like, if you had your kid at school, you wouldn't tell them about Martin Luther King because it would be too traumatic. Like, you don't tell them someone was shot for being a race, a racial relations, you know, pioneer hero. Like, you wouldn't tell, you wouldn't tell them about the Holocaust. You wouldn't tell them anything until they're, like, 12. I'm like, but then they're so... Wouldn't they break down even more? Because they're shielded? Like, if you sort of... you got to ruin their lives the minute they're awake. you got to just start on in. If I had a kid, you don't think breastfeeding, 9-11 stories. That's what we do. And then a happy thing. Then we play like a Beatles song. Like I would balance it really fucking well. Well, You know, I don't have, I should have had a kid. I should have fucking done it. Because I really have some great ideas about parenting. But I'm very tired now and I don't want to begin now. And I actually really don't want one, but um, I feel like, you know what I love? I love the teenagers handling uh, the school shooting. These kids, I fucking love them. I love that they're like, fuck off. And the senators are like, we'll tell on you. They're like, I don't give a fuck. My friend died in front of me, you asshole. Like, they don't care. They're like, yeah, suspend me. You're, you're, you ruined the world. And they're like, well, well, well. Oh God. And they don't know what to say. And they can't compete with these kids. These kids are genius. And, and they just, they've got, and I realized they were raised by Gen X. That's what it is. They've got our hardened cynicism, but they don't have the total... Uh, and they've got our, like, we don't care. We're going to... See, people make fun of Gen X. The, the millennials hate us because they think we didn't do enough. But we didn't have social media. You didn't see what we fucking did. We don't have records of it. We did a lot of shit. That's why you weren't born into complete chaos. But we didn't have the uh, social media savvy that they do. So, so they have this thing that we don't have. Uh, where they don't get tripped up by things online like I think we still do, even as adults. And they've got our sort of like, it's not, they don't have cynicism. They're not sitting there going, the system doesn't work. They're like, there's a system and you're not fucking doing it correctly, people in office. Like, that's what I fucking love about them. Because if you sit there going, the system doesn't work, it's rigged against me, you're, you lose. And that's where the bad guys sneak in and Trump is president. If you give up on everything... That's it. But if you go, I believe in the system, you're just not doing it. Then it's so beautiful to me. Not once have they been like, this shit's broken. They're like, we're going to vote you out. And then we're going to make, God, I love it. It's so Gen X. I got to tell you, but I'm not taking all the credit because I didn't have any kids, but I'm saying if I did, there would totally be those kids. Um, but you got to play your kids good music. You know, you, you got to, that's what it is. You got to play them shit. And I think that's what Gen X did. And so I don't, I don't have it fully articulated yet, but what's been freaking me out and I have friends like this, so I don't really know what to do about it. When adults like top 40, current top 40 it's, it's weird, right? Now let's say you like a type, like, okay, on my pre-show playlist, I had a new Beck song. I like it. It's a little too, um, who's the other guy? Um, funk show thing, gonna, Funk Bruno Mars, thank you. Bruno Mars doesn't do it for me. I go, oh, I would just listen to funk if I want to hear this. 
But Beck sounds like he's taking little Bruno. It sounds like it's not um, Midnight Vultures Beck, but it's closer to that than like depressing Beck. Okay, I like now. I get when you're a musician, you want the younger people, you want the older and the younger, so you gotta appeal to younger people. Madonna collaborates with this Beck. I get it, but that is like at least a person that was around when I was getting music trained into my ears as like a teenager. So I like Beck. I follow him. Maybe I like less songs as he gets older because he's getting younger in, in the music area. And I'm like, oh, I don't get it. But when a grown person turns on the radio and they like, well, I don't know the music. What's a song? A Black Eyed Peas or I don't know, whatever. Is that? Well, I'm thinking of like eight years ago. Ten years ago. Ten years ago. When I go, but what did you listen to growing up? And they're like, oh, the music I listened to was stupid when I was a teenager. It was like Bon Jovi. I'm like, wait, so you never listened to music that meant anything to you? They're like, no. I'm like, oh, that's fr- I feel like I'm with a scary, per- like a sociopath, don't you? Like, if, like the music I listened to growing up meant so much to me that I can't let go of it. And I like music that reminds me of that. And I'm not trying to be stuck in my ways. And actually, even like older, older music, like from the 20s to the 70s, I'm all up in that. So for me, discovering new music is like, oh, this like French pop band from the 60s, I didn't know. Like, that's where I go. But to go, like, there's grown-ups that put on Top 40 radio and just drive around. And they go, oh, I like this song. It's like, I really swear to God, to me, that's on the spectrum of pedophilia. It's on the spectrum of pedophilia. It's all pedophilia. But it's not not on the spectrum of it. There's pedophilia. There's like acting like a child because you never grew up. Peter Pan shit. And then like right to the right of that is like, I'll just listen to Top 40 because I don't have an opinion. Why don't you know? Why? You got to you got to fight with your kids about music. Do you know? You got to tell them they're stupid. Like, my niece is 31, and I was 12 when she was born. And when she was 12, she liked Ace of Base. And I was crying. I was like, no, Linda, to my sister, she likes Ace of Base. You've, you've done everything wrong. Like, get the Zeppelin out. Get the lead out. Some, please. And she likes okay music now. It's not as bad as Ace of Base. But nothing meant anything to her because she liked Top 40 growing up. Now, when I was growing up, I liked Top 40. But you got to have a neighbor who, when you're 12, goes, you know what, George Michael, Madonna, Michael Jackson's actually not that bad for what Top 40 is. But here's a tape of some ska music. And you're like, oh, this is the window to be into it. And you get annoyed with it later. But you appreciate the racial harmony of it. So, like, we get it. So... Just know that for the next year, I'll be ruminating about, I just put adults who listen to Top 40 freak me out. That will someday be a stand-up bit. Now, this podcast isn't to work out new stand-up, but that was just something. Okay, we're going to talk about losing my voice. We're going to talk about my neighbor, Andy, who didn't die that I thought did. The new queer eye is stressing me out. Stressing me out. We're going to talk about that last. May I get another hot toddy? Oh, you guys are just hanging at the bar, right? You don't work here. Okay. (laughs) I can't see for sure. Speaking of on the spectrum of pedophilia. (laughs) Mike, these are real, so don't laugh too hard. Um, May I get a hot toddy? 
Oh, someone delightful made one for me up front. Oh, maybe they just put, um, no, but they have the whole, they've got a cinnamon stick and a little starburst thing and honey and lemon. It's beautiful. Well, if someone, oh yeah, should I scream it out? Oh no, you're going to ask. Oh, I love you. Thank you. Sorry to bother you. I didn't know. I didn't know. I can't hear anything. So I was like, do I have, do you want me to ask the friend? <laughs> okay. So I, last weekend I'm in Buffalo, New York. Anyone been there? You from there or anything? Yeah. It's adorable, right? You, don't, oh, you probably don't think it's adorable because you're from there, but it's not, you know why I think it is? Because, uh, well, one time I went there on a train from here. In a beautiful snowstorm. I sound like Trump. The beautiful snow. And, um, and it was beautiful, but it was gorgeous. It was all white snow. It never got slushy. It was Christmas time. So you can see where I'd be fooled. But you don't like it. What don't you like about Buffalo? Because I, I only go in this like certain radius when I'm there because I'm at the hotel. Then I go to the gig, and I don't really know much. They're like, oh, this is a cute coffee shop there, but you don't think it's cute? <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, you know, I bring in, you know, because it's a democratic stranglehold, but stronghold, stranglehold. <laughs> but it's also not, right? Because if you, the suburbs, yeah. Well, my crowds are pretty good. Like, even my Trump-loving people that come to my shows, and i got to be honest with you, I didn't have any problems with Trump people this year on the road. It was only Bernie people. I had to kick so many Bernie people out of my shows, getting booed by dudes, like, a, accosted after the show, not one Trump issue. Um, but that's just my Trump voters. I know, I know they're not all like that. Um, but like Houston gave me a standing ovation this year and most of them were Trump supporters. Um, so, you know, Brooklyn didn't, (laughs) but you were fucking great crowd. Let's reminisce about the time I did sell out the bell house. Um, anyway, Buffalo. Cute place until you talk to people. Okay, so I get there, got a gig at the Helium, love the club, but the guy I think that owns all the Heliums, I'm not sure if he's a JK fan, but I sell tickets there, so I don't know if he can deny me that. So they like to, um, I think when I do something wrong, they're delighted because they can be like, oh, we're not going to have her back for a while. So I knew I was getting sick last week. I never get sick. I haven't had a cold since December 2015. And I know this because I'm so obsessed with not getting sick because I never seem to get sick when it's convenient. So I start a little bit of a, I wake up last Sunday. I'm like, no, not last Sunday, two Sundays ago. I'm like, it feels like I smoked a pack of cigarettes and I didn't. And I'm like, oh, I've I've got, okay. So I go to the, there's a whole new, guys, you have a whole new thing here. It's very LA, but you have it here now finally. Uh, Infrared saunas, are you going to them? You gotta go, higher dose. Who works here? My, my best friend works. What's your best friend's name? Isaiah. Isaiah. Where's, which one does he work at? He works at uh, it's a cryotherapy and an infrared. Oh, I hear you. Yeah. At the one at the Bowery? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cryotherapy I haven't tried. I don't want to be cold. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I know it works. Well, I like sitting in the infrared sauna. So I go to the infrared sauna. So you know when you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to take a vitamin. And then you go to the bottle And you're like, this expired a year ago? Wait, I haven't even picked up this bottle in a year. 
do I even really take vitamins? That's, that's what I can be like. So this is why you're going to love our new sponsor, Care Of, okay? Here's the deal. It's a monthly subscription vitamin service made from effective quality ingredients, ingredients or ingredients. They also have those too, personally tailored to your exact needs. Now here's the deal. Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it's going to be hard to get all the nutrients your body needs for long-term health. So vitamins fill in the important gaps that your body is missing from your diet. And I know all of you are not eating well every single day. And they give you an extra boost when you need it. 90% of people fall short of the FDA-recommended guidelines for at least one vitamin or nutrient. So here's what you can do. You can take this super fun online quiz. It makes it really easy to figure out what vitamins and supplements you specifically need so you're not just like willy-nilly swallowing stuff. And the short quiz asks you about your diet, your health goals, your lifestyle choices, and they use these answers to create a personalized vitamin pack just for you. So... First of all, just go to takecareof.com, T-A-K-E-C-A-R-E-O-F.com. Now, if you get these vitamins, and of course you're going to, you're going to get 25% off of your first month of personalized care of vitamins if you just enter the promo code FUN. So takecareof.com, enter promo code FUN. But first go there and fill out the super fun quiz. So... The difference between care of vitamins and just willy-nilly you shopping is the recommendations are based on clinical research and traditional medicine with input from actual doctors and nutritionists. Your subscription box includes individually wrapped packets with your specific vitamins and supplements for easy grab and go. You get a 30-day supply shipped right to your door. You don't have to worry about replacing multiple bottles when you run out or missing a few days until you can make it to the store. You can modify your subscription at any time, and it's about 20% less when compared to similar brands at local drug and health stores. And a lot of them are vegan and vegetarian supplement options to match your dietary needs. So it's really fun and easy. I know that I've saved money from, you know, switching from going to the drugstore. I don't have to have other services deliver it. And, you know, it's easy. It all comes at once, and it's just like, you don't even have to think about it, and that's the best part. But you have to think about it right now when you take the super fun online quiz, and trust me, you're going to get a lot out of it. 25% off your first month, and make sure that you uh, put in that offer code FUN, okay? So, do it. Oh my God, I just got an email today from Quip. Let me know that my shipment's there, but I'm still in New York, but I'll be back in LA this weekend, and I will get my every three months delivered toothbrush and toothpaste. I love being part of Quip. I don't have to think about anything anymore. And, you know, brushing your teeth is obviously one of the most important parts of your day. You have to have nice teeth. They can't be falling out. You can't have bad breath. But it's also really important for your all-over health as well. And Quip has combined dentistry and design to make a better electric toothbrush. It's like if Apple made a toothbrush, but obviously not expensive, and you can't check your email on it. But that's good. You need a break from checking your email. Just brush your damn teeth. It's the new electric toothbrush that packs just the right amount of vibrations into a slimmer design at a fraction of the cost of bulkier traditional electric toothbrushes. The guiding pulses alert you when to switch sides. That's my favorite part. It's like goes off for a second. You're like, oh, got to go over here. So it's the right amount of brushing and it's effortless. And it also comes with this really cool mount that suctions right to your mirror and it unsticks and you can use it as a, there's a cover too that you can use for hygienic travel anywhere, whether it's the gym or your carry-on. 
And the subscription plan refreshes your brush on a dentist-recommended schedule. New brush heads every three months for just $5. And the shipping is worldwide, people. It's backed by over 10,000 dental professionals, including dentists, hygienists, and dental students. Most toothbrushes don't get named one of Time Magazine's best inventions of the year, but Quip did. So it starts at just $25 if you go to getquip.com slash fun. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash fun right now. Go right now. And you're going to get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That is your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash fun. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash fun. If you're a person with a mouth, it's likely that you don't brush your teeth for a full two minutes. So change your brush on time and brush twice a day. Quip gets it. That's why they've designed the perfect electric toothbrush. And 75% of us, so I know you're in there, people, don't refresh your bristles every three months and you don't even visit the dentist every sixth. So let Quip help you out to put the necessary yet annoying aspect of your personal care on total autopilot. And I use this stuff. The toothpaste tastes fresh. It's great. I got the minty clean feeling. I just had my uh, checkup before I went to New York. No cavities, people. Come on. Love at first brush. Getquip.com slash fun. Oh my God. Today's show is sponsored by our favorite sponsor in the world, Talkspace, the online therapy company that enables you to improve your mental health from anywhere, anytime. See, that is the most important part to me. You don't have to drive somewhere. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to make a big stink and tell everyone you're leaving. Oh, I have therapy today. No one has to know. And when you go to Talkspace.com, go right now and read along, Talkspace.com slash Jen, J-E-N. You're going to get matched with a licensed therapist from over 2,000 choices, and uh, you can message them whenever you need to. No commutes, no judgments. For a special offer, go to Talkspace.com slash Jen, and you're going to use the code Jen, J-E-N. You're going to get $45 off of your first month. That's huge. And then putting in the offer code Jen, you show your support for this show. Talkspace is therapy for how we live today. Now, I know you're like, I can't fit another appointment into my life. I know. I'm saying go to therapy, but use Talkspace. No commutes. You match with the perfect therapist for a fraction of the price to go to traditional therapy. And, and all these people have had thousands of hours of training. Just They're a therapist. It's not, it's not like some guy Joe is going to pick up the phone. Therapy isn't just about venting your innermost thoughts or digging into childhood memories. It's also just about practical everyday strategies for stress management, living a happier life. Having a therapist simply provides you a designated person for you to talk to who is trained to listen and helps you make positive changes. So stop boring your friends at brunch with all your problems. Go talk to someone. They are experienced therapists over there who are 2,000 hours, I mean 2,000 of them at least, and they know how to address the life challenges you face. And you can match with a perfect therapist. You get to pick your own. It's a fraction of the price of traditional therapy. Talkspace.com slash Jen and use Jen to get $45 off of your first month. That's Jen and it's Talkspace.com slash Jen. One N and Jen, people. Then I get an IV vitamin drip like a fucking Hollywood asshole. Um, just... I didn't know what was happening. Thank you so much. What is your name? Jessica, thank you. Oh, wait, hang on. I'm going to keep that because it has all this nice sugar at the bottom. And I'm going to pour that sugar on top later. Sorry. <laughs> Jessica? Yes. Okay, sorry. I'm just making sure I got your name right because I have ADD. Okay. Thanks, Jessica. 
I didn't see her. And I just said, Hollywood asshole. And you're like, woo. So I did that. And then I rested. And and, um, I'm writing on a TV show right now. And I got to work from home last week, which is my Airbnb, which is cute. Carriage house, no big deal, fun. Um, So I'm like sleeping in. I'm going to bed early. I'm like, I feel great. And I'm like, but I feel so exhausted. I don't think this thing's over. And the minute... And I kept saying, I'm going to get sick. I'm going to get sick in Buffalo, and I'm going to lose my voice. I kept telling my agent. They're like, well, you can't cancel. They'll ban you from all the clubs. I'm like, I know, but I know. you cannot cancel a gig when you're not totally sick yet. But I'm like, I know it's coming. It takes me five days to get a cold. Fucking the minute the plane touches down in Buffalo. And, like, oh, and I'm just totally sick. Post-nasal drip, the whole thing. So I'm getting sick as I'm on stage. I lose my voice during the second show Friday night. And the audiences were great. The crowds were fantastic. And I get off stage, and I wake up the next morning, and I'm like, ah, nothing. I've never lost my voice this bad, even when I had vocal damage. It was just, ah, it wasn't even, ah, I couldn't even do that. It was, it was like air. And I, was, I texted my agent, I'm like, I don't have a voice. I know it's only 8 a.m., but it's not like a morning thing. I've been up for two hours. It's just gone. And um, my beautiful, wonderful doctor, Dr. Aviv, you guys got to read his book if you have silent reflux. It's a whole thing. He comes to every show. He's on here tonight. He saved my voice years ago. I texted him. I'm like, I need the steroids. He's like, got it. Sending them to CVS around the corner. Steroids didn't even cure my voice this time. It's really damaged. Anywho, so the club goes, she can't cancel. Uh, let us know by 6 p.m. if her voice comes back. So they were willing to take the chance. So at 6 p.m., I'm like, I can do the first show, but not the second. Now, here's the deal. When you cancel on a comedy club, you can't be like, I'm taking care of myself. That's why I'm not doing the second show. There's not that. You've got to show them you're dying. So, but my doctor said that with the steroids, your voice is going to come back for the first show. But it's not good to push it. If you perform in the second show, it's just bad. And just don't do it. And also the steroids making me dizzy and I'm nauseous. But my voice is technically getting strong during the first show. And, this, and I hadn't told anyone that I was going to cancel the second show because they wouldn't let me. So I'll explain. So I'm feeling guilty because they have this whole plan where they're like, don't tell anyone you're canceling the second show. We're going to do it five minutes before, and here's what we're going to do. So, well, maybe I should tell you that part. So I get to the club, and I go, should I put on Twitter? It's 6 p.m. People are driving up from other states. Should I tell them it's canceled? They're like, no. Here's what we're going to do. The beginning of the second show, I want you to get on stage and just be like, sorry, I lost my voice so they can see. And then be like, I'm not doing the show. I'm like, I'm not fucking doing that. They're like, no, no, we're going to give out popcorn when you do that. As if... I go, no one is going to be happy. First of all, if I get on stage with sort of a voice, people are going to be like, then just perform because people don't get it. And, and it's going to be rude. And it's also like the first show ends at nine. So I'm going to sit around for an hour. Like, I'm going to bed, dude. Like, I'm sick as shit. And so, sorry, I already told you I wasn't doing the second show. You already agreed to it. They're like, okay. I'm like what am I, a fucking Madonna all of a sudden? I can't cancel a show. So then I'm like, but they want to make their money off the drinks because that's how clubs make money. And that's their problem because they give away free tickets. And they, uh, they fuck themselves with their crazy business model where they have terrible people and they give away free tickets and they make money letting people get drunk. And then the drunk people disrupt the show and they get three strikes before they're tossed out. Three times they get to interrupt the show. That's one person. Imagine if there's 20 hecklers. So that's comedy clubs. And they don't get that they could actually charge $30 a ticket and people would fucking come if it was an environment they liked. But 
who's listening to the artist. Anyway, so I said, I'm not getting on stage and going, hey, guys, I can't do the show. That's ridiculous. And they're like, okay, nobody knows this. That's a conversation between me and the manager. No one can hear it. It's backstage an hour before the show. I get on stage. I'm doing the show. My voice starts to come back. And I surprised myself. I was like, hey. And I was like, oh. And this guy goes, yeah, got to do the second show then. And I'm like, the fuck? How did he know? And it was, it was scary. I like that you guys reacted because I was scared too. And it, this is actually the joy of doing the podcast live. Because at home, I'm like, that's boring. It's exciting, isn't it? So he goes, so then I tell a story. So that, I thought that was weird. I go, sir, I, have, I can't. And then I'm like, why am I? And then I go, who are you? And then he didn't answer again. And I was like, everyone else heard that, right? And they're like, huh, yeah, but it was weird. So I felt so guilty. And then this other, I told this story about, and I, I told it on the podcast before, I think, about how I did a show in LA and I thought a guy was making, I'm bored snoring noises, but he was having a seizure. <laughs> and I ran out of the room. Did I tell this on the podcast? Yes, right? Oh, I did. But did I tell on the podcast? Oh, it's a fun story. Okay. <laughs> so I'll interrupt the story about telling the story to tell you the story. <laughs> Do you know it? Yeah. Oh, because you saw it at Caroline's. Yeah. It's lovely. <laughs> it is lovely. Well, you might hear it differently because, you know, I always say things differently, but all true. Doing a gig in, in L.A. Oh, you know what it is? Okay. So I recorded a podcast in L.A. that I never released. I'm never going to. Because I addressed some rumors and Me Too shit that I was going through after a certain someone had a New York Times article written about them that I refused to be in because I was not physically assaulted by them, which was always my story. So I told them my story on stage and how my story is the story of being harassed for not talking about harassment. And I'm telling it, it's this hugely feminist story. I'm recording it live at the Hollywood Improv Lab. This guy starts going, and I'm like, what, who's doing that? And this guy's just going, I go, oh, sir, you're bored because a feminist is talking. Listen to me, sir. And I'm getting all this. <laughs> Women can't even tell their truth. With a... And then someone goes, call 911. I'm like, what the fuck? He's on the ground flopping. This is my instinct. This is why you know Trump would not run into that school because I'm a better person than him. I ran out of the room. Just ran. <laughs> Bye. Not dealing. I don't even know what my thoughts were. My body was just like, get the fuck out. There might be a body. You don't want to see it. Go. So I come back in and I say to the crowd who, first of all, they've got to deal with the seizure. And they look to the person on stage as some sort of leader. And that person's gone. And now she's appeared in the doorway and I'm like, I went to the parking lot to see if there was a doctor. Well, I don't know if you folks know this, but there's no one in the parking lot during the show because they're in the showroom. So if there is a doctor, they're not out there. And if they are, they're a weird doctor. <laughs> so, but no one questions me. And I go, oh, and I also called 911. And someone goes, are they coming? I go, 
oh, I'll call them back and check. Because I didn't call 911. So then I call 911 and I get a voicemail. Very public enemy up in here. I call again, voicemail. And so I'm like, God, I wonder if I'd called five minutes ago, would there not have been a voicemail? So then I go, there's a voicemail now. And by the way, the guy ends up standing up and he walks right by me. He's like, I'm fine. I'm just going to go. I'm like, no, I didn't expect you to stay after that. (laughs) So I start going into this monologue on stage to distract from my bad behavior about the state of the police and the emergency services of Los Angeles and how they almost let this guy die. Where's the speaker on this? The keyboard is the speaker? And that sucks. Anyway, no one seemed to notice because of the hysteria. So what I say to the crowd in Buffalo, because there was a woman making a weird sound, she's like, woo, woo. I go, I don't, like, you guys can make all the weird noises you want to get my attention, but I don't interact anymore because of this thing that happened. Like, you might, honestly, something bad might be happening and I'm not going to make fun of you. So I tell that story. After I finish that story, the same guy who yelled out, you have to do the second show, goes, you're next. And I'm like, what? That's a, and I go, Sir, I'm not even joking. Do you mean I'm next to have a stroke? And he's like, then he wouldn't answer. <laughs> and then I was like, can you, like I said to security, can you kick him out? Like, I'm not, I'm so sorry to have to do this, but you're scaring me. And then they couldn't find him. So I don't know what was happening, but there was a voice in the dark yelling, you're next. And you have to do the second show. And other people heard him. So it wasn't a voice in my head. And then I'm like, can you projectile guilt to where other people hear it. Like, there might have been some weird shit going on. So I leave, and the people that came specifically to see me, I, I, I watched Twitter to see, and they were so kind about it. Like, they were, I couldn't believe how understanding they were. They could have been saved a trip if the club let me announce it when I wanted to. And I was scared to, to go my own way. Um, and I think next time I won't be. But... I didn't really know the right thing to do because I'm contracted to perform there and um, they've got to make their money. But I have a, a loyalty to the fans, you know? And so I didn't know what to do. And it was a very Lady Gaga moment where she you know, writes letters, I'm so sick, I'm sorry. And nobody cared. But um, it was fine. <laughs> but I think I'm banned from the club or something. But I got a text from my friend that works at Helium, Portland, Oregon, in one minute. Later, he was like, I heard you canceled the second show. I'm like, Jesus Christ. So um, comedy clubs can be an evil fucking business. So I lost, I lost my voice. I don't know what that just suddenly happened. I lost my voice. I woke up the next day. Okay, so I'm staying at this hotel. Oh, do you know the Curtis Hotel in Buffalo? No, the lady from Buffalo? Oh, okay. It's five star, right? It's five star in Buffalo. So they're not, they're like overly focused on some things and other things they're getting totally wrong. So I check in and I'm sick and there's a bathtub in there. I'm like fucking score, right? Epsom salt, my face off this bath, you know, Epsom salts are so good. Soak in them. It's very detoxing. 
So I call the front desk. I go, do you have any Epsom salts for the bath? Not to brag. I've stayed in fancy hotels before the bathtub. They always have them. No, I don't know what that is. I go, Epsom salts. Um, Well, if you don't know what it is, you probably don't have them. We have essential oils. I go, oh, can I come get some? We have to have someone come up and put them in the bath for you. And I'm like, okay. Well, I said, this is what I do. I put all hot water in the bathtub. I don't do a mix of cold and hot. I just do straight hot. And then I put my finger in it. I'm like, way too hot to get in. And I keep checking every five minutes until it's perfectly warm. So I'd have to keep doing that. Perfectly warm. Let me call the front desk. Bring up the oils. How long does it take? What if it takes so long it gets cold? So do I have them come up when it's super hot? And then they put it in and then it dissipates. You understand. I need to control the oil myself. So I go, well, I'm not going to take the bath till 1230 when I get home from this gig. They're not available to come up that late. I go, then can I come downstairs and get the oils? We need someone to administer it. I'm like, do you know what's kind of weird? I'm just telling you to tell someone who wants to take a bath that someone has to come into their room and put the, I mean, I'm not going to be like nude, like, Hey, I'm going to get in. But like, it's just a weird moment, like to figure out what's the best time. And like, why I go, can I just ask you why I can't put it in myself? I don't really have that information. And she like tries to sound official by using too many words. Like I go, well, what if you just decide it's cool and I come down and get them from you? She's like, I can't. I'm like, oh, God. Like, <laughs> so I'm like, fine, I'll go to CVS. So I go get my own bath salts. That's fine. That part's great. Then I go to the front desk. I go, it's a f- literally a five-star hotel. No, it's only 150 a night because that's what they cost in Buffalo, which is great. I go, do you have room service? They go, um... You don't know the answer? You work at the front desk? She goes, I'm not... I go, oh, is there a reason there wouldn't be any tonight? Like a wedding, a party? No. I go, do you have room service? I don't know. I go, well, who does know? And she goes, I, um... You'd have to call the restaurant. And I go... And she goes, and maybe they'd let you come down and pick it up. I'm like, yeah, that's not room service. I want to be in a bathrobe. Do you understand? I want to creep the person out when they come in. I want to be in a bathroom. So she goes, I don't think we have that. What? What? Okay. Who is, who? Who raised the 28-year-olds? I don't really know, because I'm 42, so it wasn't my generation. Was it the 54-year-olds? What generation is that? Is it such an X? It's tale of the baby boomers. You fucking failed. So These kids are so stupid. I can't even take it. I love teenagers now. Hate. Now, I don't hate you guys because you got here in a cyclone. But imagine you work at a five-star hotel and you don't know if there's room service. Just kill yourself. No, literally. Not no, like a, you don't have to be violent about it. Just disappear into the woods. They do have room service, by the way. (laughs) I called the next night. And I said, do you have room service? She goes, yeah, we're a hotel. I go, well, the front desk said you didn't. She goes, what? I go, I don't know. She goes, that's impossible. I'm like, it's very possible. Okay, so so that's before the voice loss. 
So they've got this outdoor area, which is great, but it's winter, so no one's there. So they've got music playing, and I'm on the second floor overlooking the outdoor area. And the music's really loud. So I'm in my room, and I look out the window, and my, I'm kind of overlooking like a rooftop. There's a speaker pointing at my window. And it's so fucking loud that when I checked into the room, I thought it was one of those things where, to be fancy, they leave the radio on. And I go to turn it off, and I'm like, oh, it's coming from here. And I open the door, and I take a video of the speaker playing. And it's like, Jack and Diane. And so I call downstairs. I'm like, hey, there's a speaker playing outside my window. And they're like, yeah, we can't turn off individual speakers. We'd have to turn it off for the whole outdoor area. I go, well, then you're going to have to. You're going to have to let those people not have music. There's like one loser out there smoking a cigarette. Not that smoking's bad. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? It's not, it's winter time. It was raining. No one's sitting in the outdoor area. I go, do you care about the guest? Because people might show up though. I go, well, you know who did show up is the guest in the room, me, with the speaker in the window. And I'm never going to see her again, and I'm going to write bad things on Yelp. That's what I said, because I'm a child. I'm going to write bad things on Yelp. See, again, Gen X. I'll do the fucking... I'll go hard. But I don't use the internet correctly, like the kids. I'm like, I'll put something bad on Yelp. Like, you won't look like the crazy person. The only one star is not the person anyone takes seriously. Whenever you start reading it, you're like, shit, maybe I should listen to this person. And it's always like, and that morning, my husband and I had a fight. And my mother-in-law's in town. You're like, that has nothing to do with the gas station that you don't like. <laughs> so she goes, I actually don't think it's that loud. She said to me, maybe if you move around more in your room, you won't hear it. I'm like, she's basically saying, maybe if you had a fucking life. <laughs> This is the music. Did you say very true? Whose side are you on, ma'am? I was sleeping. Okay, it doesn't sound loud. <laughs> don't laugh, you can't hear it. I'm gonna start it over. Shut up, don't laugh. Shh. Very silent. Pretend you're on a jury. Right. Let's not name that tune. I'm just saying. I actually thought it was Dave Matthews. That's how dumb I am. Is there a difference? Okay. Um, one of them does terrible comedy. Okay, so that is just me in my room, not even near the window. I mean, that's loud. Okay. Let me tell you about John Mayer in one second. So. So I go, so I lose my voice completely. So I go to Starbucks, get myself a hot tea. And I'm like, I'm like doing this. I lost my voice. It's a whole thing. They're like, they're trying to go so crazy. They're like, do you know what's really good for that? I'm like, no, just, I just want lemon tea. So it's a whole thing. So then I go back to the hotel and I'm like, I call downstairs from my room because I'm trying to sleep and that John Mayer situation is happening. So they're like, front desk. And I'm like, front desk I'm like and I'm pressing buttons like beep 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 so that she knows someone there's front desk I'm like she's like ah it's like someone's just breathing and she hung up she thought a heavy breather so now I'm getting scared because I'm like you know 
the odds are, because I tour so much, I'm going to get sick on tour, because that's usually the only time I've been sick has been on tour. So let's take it to the next level. I'm going to die on tour. Do you understand? And I don't tour with a significant other. I'm going to die alone in a hotel room on tour. That's fine. So now I know, even if I'm in the midst of dying in the hotel room, and I call down, oh my God, heavy breather. They're going to keep hanging up on me. And I'll be like, no, I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. I called again, heavy breather. Oh my God, what do you want? I'm like, they don't even go, oh, let me send up someone to check on you. It sounds really bad. Nothing. So I go downstairs in my pajama bottoms, but I didn't bring a pajama top because I have night sweats and I like to be with a nude top. No, no, no. Sorry, it's the opposite. I like my bottoms off. So I have a pajama top and just jeans on, and that's my outfit. And I put a blazer on to look more crazy, actually. So I go downstairs, I'm like... She goes, speak up. I can't hear you. It's really loud in the lobby because of the fucking music. I'm like, I lost my voice. She's like, oh. And I go, so I need you to turn down the music because I'm sick in bed and I want to sleep. She goes, but you can't hear it anyway. You lost your voice. And I go, what? And then she goes, oh my God, I confused it. She confused the five senses. Hearing, taste, touch, smell. I'm going, no, I can still hear things. No, I know, but it's weird. It's not weird. There's no excuse for what just happened. Because you can change rooms if you want. I'm like, she's like, or I can. She's basically like, because that just happened, I'll turn off the whole music in the place. I'm like, that'd be great. She's like, okay. And I go, now, I'm going to be asleep until eight. Bless you. I want, I want to be sure that the, when the shift you know, when does the next person shift start? Four. Okay, so they're going to turn on the music. Yes, they are. Because they didn't hear this conversation. Okay. So I'm going to be sleeping, and at four o'clock, music's going to start playing. So you have to leave a note. Well, once it's off, it's off. No, I get that. It's going to turn back on magically. But the new person that comes to the desk is going to see music off. I'm going to turn it on. So I'm asking you, as a preventative measure, to leave a note saying, keep the music on. Because it'll be fine. I'm like, okay. So go back to my room. I fall asleep. Four o'clock. Crash into me. Or whatever shit song. I call downstairs. I'm like, go back downstairs in my weird outfit I'm like long story short this girl did, I do the whole thing I'm like I'm a 42 year old woman I used to work in customer service if I did this shit I would be you know they're like oh, we don't care <laughs> so they turned it down and her same advice if I moved around more in the room I wouldn't hear it I put on the news as loud as I could and I had fever dreams about Wolf Blitzer or whatever. Anyway, John Mayer. Anyone friends with him here? Well, he's all over New York comedy. I don't know him from shit. I met him once. Uh, here's my impression of him. And again, I didn't even get to what we're talking about yet on the show. This is how I see fun goes. 
the one thing I love about my former boss, Chelsea Handler, and you know I don't talk about her often, she did two things that were super fucking cool. I'm not saying they're the only things she did that were cool, but I'm saying two things stand out in my mind. I could tell you things I don't like about her. I could tell you things that were tough working for her with. I could tell you opinions I have on her. But I, I won't. I will tell you two good things. My one favorite story about her is she went to a dinner party and Woody Allen and Soon Yi were there. And she was a little drunk and she sort of meant it and then realized it was as it was coming out of her mouth what she was saying and she went with it. And I thought it was fucking genius because it's a question you would ask any couple whom you don't know that well. She goes, how did you two meet? <laughs> fucking brilliant. And if anyone tells you that it's normal what he did, then ask that question and go, oh, okay. That would be very, too awkward to answer at dinner. Perhaps a weird beginning to the relationship. <laughs> the second thing that was awesome that she did is she, she had become friends with Jennifer Aniston. And thought Jennifer was a lovely person. And thought John Mayer was a douche. And Jen and John were dating. <clears throat> she didn't trust John. He seemed like a player. She thought, I don't know what she thought. And at Jen's house, at some kind of birthday party, I, didn't, I wasn't there, she told me later. She went up to John Mayer and was like, what's your life? What's your deal? Like, you're a player? Like, fuck you. Don't do that to my friend. And you're a piece of shit. And you're not that hot. And you think you're funny? Like, went off on him. <laughs> and he ended up fucking over Jen Aniston. And even though the timing of her telling him off was weird... Um, you would want a friend to do that for you. So I thought that was kind of cool. So I was like kind of a weird opinion of him because I just feel like do comedy or don't. But don't be like, oh, I can dip into comedy. Don't do that. Well, I'm not mad at Madonna when she does it, but she's older and she's a woman. But <laughs> there's a thing in Los Angeles called the roast battle. And Jeff Ross was like, hey, come with me. We're going to, you can be a judge on it. And so I was like, okay. And he's super sweet. And so we go and I'm next to Jeff. And then John was next to me. I mean, this close, like it's, you're squished in. Never looked at me, never said a word. And so I know this kind of guy. You love women if you're going to fuck them. You want to be in comedy, but you don't acknowledge a woman in comedy next to you. No time. We have no time for this. Don't make time for him. Don't take him seriously until he starts hanging out with female comics. And maybe he does, but let's pretend he doesn't so I can be right. Okay. <laughs> such a stupid story. Um, do you guys remember my neighbor, Andy? Okay. He's not dead, but he moved out. Now for people who don't know, I had a neighbor, Andy. I used to talk about him years ago on the podcast. He used to knock on my door and, and, uh, at like nine, 10, 11 at night and just be like, Hey. And I would say, he's like a Simpsons character. He just talk like this. And he looked like a Simpsons character and he was off, but I couldn't tell what it was. And I went to my building manager. I'm like, when I moved into my building, I had been living underneath a toddler. That just all day long, back and forth, back and forth, running. It was, I was having a nervous breakdown. So I went to this brand new building in Studio City. I'm on the top floor. I go to the woman that rents it. It's a brand new building. No, literally no one's living in there. I'm like, I need to live here. And the elevator and the doorman and the... I, it's like assisted living. I'm like, I need the gym, a pool, a hot tub. It's a whole thing. I got to live here uh, and I need to live here. And she's like, okay. I'm like, the toddler above. I can't. She's like, what? I'm like, need a top floor. She's like, okay, calm down. She's like, I'll give you the top floor 
for a cheaper rate. You're the first one. You're the first renter in the building. She goes, I'll put you in the corner. You'll never hear anything. A month later, I have a neighbor. He's across the hall from me. I'm like, why would you put someone? It's like if you worked in a movie theater and you sat people. Like, don't just sit them right next to each other. So now there's a guy across the hall. He's knocking on my door, taping things to the door. He would get these, like, coupons for free nights out. And he'd tape them on the door. And he just was off. And I go, I said to my building manager, Andy's off. I mean, there's something weird about him, right? And she's like, he was hit by a bulldozer. And I go, well, then that's... It affected his head. She goes, it did not affect his head. I'm like, that's not a thing. (laughs) So he's the guy at the construction site with the suit that's pointing and, you know, I guess he must have been wearing a helmet. So I guess it didn't affect his head, but it certainly seemed to. So he hit by a bulldozer. So he's in like, um, sort of like, he's on like workman's money for the rest of his life. So he's living in this place and... He doesn't have to work anymore. It's all taken care of. And um, he's, he's smoking pot a lot and it just seems off. And he's just like, let's get... Anytime I'd open my front door, he would hear it. And he'd run to the front door and open the door and be like, where are you going? I'm like, oh, my God. So this one night, at the time I was single, I called my friend Chris Fringel and my dear friend, my neighbor, who lives in the building next door. I said... This guy won't stop knocking on my door. He's not going to listen to a woman. You have to come over and pretend you're my boyfriend. But you have to come over in like a very sleuth way. You have to like run in my front door so that he doesn't see you come in. You have to act like you've been here. He's like, oh my fucking God. So he actually did it. It's like, I can't believe he did this for me because we're friends, but like we don't do things for each other. So, and we talk all day, every day. But one time I'm like, I think I left a candle on and I'm in Vegas and you have keys to my place. He goes, I don't, I'm looking out the window. It doesn't look like your place is burning down. I go, can you go in and blow out the candle? He's like, it'll burn out on its own and I'll keep an eye out for if the place catches on fire. I'm like, he's like, I'm watching something. He would not get up off. So he was right. It burned down. I mean, the candle burned out. It was fine. My mother always goes, I feel so safe knowing your friend is right next to her to help my kids. The worst person to have next to her. So he comes over. He runs in and he shuts the door. And so since my door shut, Andy heard it and he knocks. And I go, Chris, stop. Chris opens the door. He's like, oh, I thought Jen was here. And he's like, I'm her boyfriend. What's up, Andy? He's like, I just wanted to see if she wanted to have some wine. He's like, she's been in bed, Andy. He goes, oh. I didn't know she had a boyfriend. She told me she goes to bed early and reads. And then Chris goes, oh, that's depressing. I'm like kicking him behind the door like. (laughs) He goes, Andy, it's too late to knock on the door, okay? No more knocking on the door. Okay. So the next morning, I leave and Andy opens his door and he goes, hey, your boyfriend was mean to me last night. I go, no, Andy. You're rude. You do not knock on people's doors over and over late at night. He goes, okay, fine. And he goes back in his house. He was one of those people that infuriates you. And then when you tell him off, you're like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's the last time I saw him. And then I went on tour and I'm back and forth. I'm in the elevator last year. And he's in there in a wheelchair, just completely debilitated with a nurse. And he goes, I know you don't want to ride the elevator with me. 
And I'm like, no, I totally do. I'm like on his wheelchair, like lap dance, like, let's do it. <laughs> like, I like you now that you're completely like harmless, but before you freaked me out. So he just deteriorated. It was really sad. And then he didn't remember me anymore. So this is the point. So one morning, two months ago, I'm walking down the hall and they're screwing his door back on. And Jose, our, like, our building um, superintendent, I'm like, hey, Jose. He's like, good morning, Jen. I'm like, what's going on with Andy's door? He's like, you didn't hear? And I go, no. He goes, ah, oh, paramedics came last night. They knocked the door down and go, what? He goes, he's sick. He calls 911. They come. He can't get to the door. They break it down. This happens a lot. I go, it does? He's like, yeah, 911's broken his door down like three times in the last 10 days. I'm like, he's like, but you travel. I'm like, I haven't been traveling the last 10 days. That's how deep I sleep, I guess. But I wake up in the middle of the night if I'm like one degree hot. I'm like, <laughs> but I don't hear paramedics busting down the door of someone who's crying for help. And I'm like, God, I'm in my own bubble. So my point is, I knew Andy was sick. But the thing is, my favorite thing about him, and this is so baller, is there's no smoking allowed in the building. And nobody smokes on my floor. And if we did, we go out on our balcony. And there's smoke billowing out of Andy's door every day. Cigarette smoke. And he has, he's on oxygen tanks. And so there's notes all over the elevator. Do not smoke on the fourth floor. Oxygen tanks in use. But it's, his, it's him smoking in his oxygen tank, calling downstairs to complain that people are smoking. He's fucking amazing. So there's a woman on my floor I'm obsessed with. And let's call her Tawny. That's not her name. She seems like me in a parallel universe if I was a little bit older. And she works at the front desk sometimes. But I know she has like a real job, but like she helps out. And she just seems on top of it. And all the security guards suck. And they're mean. And you're like, I have a package. And they're like... They don't want to get it. And like, it's just a lot. And then one of them is kind of creepy. And he's like, I'll help you carry it. I'm like, it's from Amazon. It's like a glove. Like, it's fine. <laughs> he's like, I'll help you carry it. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I'm not, you're not coming up to my place. So, but she always is like on top of it. She's great. So I talk to her all the time. She's my other neighbor across the hall. And I talked to her at the front desk since the new job, like all the time. We're on a first name basis. I've known her for years. She was the third person in the building. So the other day, a couple weeks ago, before I left for New York, they're like redoing Andy's place. He's gone. And I'm like, oh my God, he must, of course he died. So I asked her at the front desk, I asked Tani, I'm like, did Andy die? She's like, no. She's like, he, she's like, here, let me take your packages up. We'll talk. Of course. I'm like, yeah, of course you can help me because I want to gossip all the way up. She's like, he was just too sick to live on the fourth floor. He moved to a place that's like more medical assistance 24 seven. I'm like, oh, I was so paranoid that he died in the middle of the night because then I started thinking about myself, like, you know, what if I died and, like, no one found me? And she was just kind of like, no, like, why would you equate that with yourself? And then, um, and she's like, 
well, he was also a functioning alcoholic. I'm like, I knew there was something else. I'm like, yes, that's what it was. She's like, I know that because there's alcoholism in my family. I'm like, oh, cool. And um, <laughs> no, because I love that shit. I'm like, we're going to start talking Al-Anon and stuff. And then she's like, yeah, so it's really tough. I'm like, yeah, it must have been tough for him. She's like, then she starts talking about her life because I don't go to home for holidays anymore. I'm like, oh, tell me about her life. And I'm like, so nosy. I'm like, tell me everything. She's like, I stayed home from for Christmas this year because of it. I'm like, oh yeah, Terry, Tawny, sorry. Um, <laughs> so then I go to London for one week. That's it. Just one week. Again, I've been talking to this woman for years. I come back. I've 19 suitcases. She goes, do you need help? I go, oh, I'm fine. I got a system. They're all rolling. She goes, do you live in the A building or the B building? I go, it's me. She goes, what? I go, oh, nothing. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on in my building? Like, I don't know if, I don't know. It's not old enough to be senile. But like maybe that movie with the redhead, with the, she's going senile early. Still Alice. Maybe it's that. I don't know, but I just felt so betrayed. Like, you told me about your alcoholic family. Now you don't know what... I live across the fucking hall. So anyway, people are asking for an Andy update. He's not dead. He's living somewhere where he can get better care and smoke in his oxygen machine. (laughs) Is this getting depressing? I told you it might. No, I didn't. Um, (laughs) Oh, let's do a lot. Oh, no, I'm going to do it at the end. I have a lot. Okay, two things. Queer eye stressing me out. Who's watching it? Okay. Wasn't jazzed about watching the reboot because I watched Queer Eye for the straight guy when it was on. And I got over. It was like enough. I get it. You know, it's like the same formula. It's like, I, I hate when you can tell they didn't fix like one of the rooms because they keep avoiding it. And I'm like, well, let me see the kid's bedroom. Like, I'm going to be unhappy that that's still shitty. Um, But I knew, like, how do they do Queer Eye now in the age of, like, when I look back at how fast all of our wokeness has been, again, my friends who are not white, straight, cis are like, oh, yeah, real fast. But I'm like, no, but for us people, like, things seem to go really fast, like, in a good way. But, again, not for the people who are suffering it. But I was like, how do they do Queer Eye for the straight guy now? Because it seems... Like, you could pick it apart on every level. It's offensive. Well, then they just call it Queer Eye. It doesn't necessarily have to be for a straight guy. So, because there's some gay guys in it. It's just men helping men. Okay, so we got that. But it's so dumbed down. Don't you think it's a little dumbed down? Like, how many of you, by the way, saw it on social media that everyone's like, we're all watching Queer Eye, we're crying. So you gave it a shot and you're like, oh, it's a little dumb though. How many feel that? Okay, maybe it's better if I ask you what you think instead of I'm going to give 19 examples. Um, I'm going to come around with a microphone because it's very important to me. And then I'm going to tell you why I'm stressed out. Because I just think it's easier if you talk as opposed to me. How many of you, who wants to tell me why Queer Eye, if it's like what your problem with it is, if anyone has a problem with it or is, likes it but is conflicted, if anyone wants to speak. Wait, okay, give me, you, you guys have a conversation with each other into the mic, we'll talk. I have 
one thought, and the thought is that Anthony doesn't actually cook. But he doesn't need to cook because he makes really good guacamole, and that's like, difficult. That's all he does okay, is with, with you avocados. Seen this. You've seen him Instagramming, like storying, like I make guacamole. Here's the recipe. Like clip, 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 clip. Like that's not you. You're not actually seeing the cooking. What does he do for a living? Do we know? Not unclear. Uh, what does culture do for a living? Hashtag culture. culture never does anything. That's always the person you just talk to, and they're like, hey, "Have you gone to a museum?" And they're like, "No." They're like, "There's a museum." And you're like, "Oh, okay." But it's a, you know, it's a lot though. It's okay. So let me give me the mic because that's because I've heard that complaint too. But is there any deeper complaints like you're offended? Is anyone offended by? The kind of, I think it's a little bit trite. Does anyone else? Okay, who wants to talk about it? Now, I might be wrong. Who wants to talk? Okay, see if we can pass that down. Oh, shit, wait. Yeah, maybe, maybe, just, maybe just try to get there. Thank you. Um, what's your name? I'm Emily. Hi. Hey, Emily, what's up? Um, I would agree that it's really formulaic, and you can see when they're trying to the, the, the social justice moments are like, oh, now, now we're doing this and now we're doing that conversation. Um, the guy who does hair, love. Love him. Yeah, but we love him. Every- women want that. So if you're straight, you have to act like that guy. <laughs> yeah. We want like a woman, basically. Yeah. Um, we want a woman with a penis. Yes, okay. and I love him so much, but I can't, I can't believe I'm saying this, but every time... There was a, the, the contestant, whoever you want to call them, was a person of color. He would, like, take them to a different barber. Like, he didn't know how to handle their hair oh, and yeah. their grooming. And then he would just sit there and kind of watch, watch them and still consult. I don't know. I just But at that. least he took them to... Yes, no, he was, like, doing the right thing, but it, it was... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's awkward. Let me, like, we're going to get one more person. Is anyone here gay that's offended by the show? You're gay, but not that offended. So I'm a, l- a little young, so I never saw the original, but I watched... Well, you haven't lived, Sorry. honey. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so I watched the new one because everybody told me it would make me cry, and I have a cold black heart. And yeah. It, Did it make you cry? No. Oh. Uh, You're like the only one is making everybody cry. It made my straight roommate cry, though. Uh, well, but, yeah. Uh, straight people love to feel It's bad a little problematic. I, it's, like, cute, but it's not... Great. All right, give me an example of problematic because I want to see if I'm on the same page. They only deal with people in Georgia. That's why it's problematic. <laughs> oh, that's just the production bullshit. All right, we're going to talk in a minute. I might give you the mic back because I want to ask your opinion on this. Um, here's my issue with it. Like, when it first came out, it was like, oh, my God, like, gay people. Like, it was so fun. But now it's like, okay, we have gay people. Like, they're married now. Like, you know, we, we get it. Um, but... Okay, here's my thing with it. We still have people, whether they're in the South or wherever, who have never been around a gay person. And so I do think it's exposing that, which is still beautiful. It's, but it's sort of that feel-good... You know that moment in Hidden Figures where Kevin Costner bashes down the colored people bathroom or whatever thing? It's like, yeah, great. That's for the white people. We get to feel good for a moment. We're good. We're good, right? Yes. So there's something about my heart soars when I see a redneck. So most of the episodes do take place in Georgia because that's where the Queer Eye headquarters. Like they have a loft that they, they watch. You know, it's like it's where literally like there's this loft that they film, whatever. But it's a bunch of redneck guys 
basically not gay bashing five gay guys who are wicked gay. They're like, hey, I mean, it's gayer than before. Because before, so the, for you, what was your name? Henry, that didn't watch it before. I would say that that generation, that was more like my generation, we were still doing that thing um, where it was about assimilation. Like, no, 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 gay people can be straight too. Like, we don't always have to be like, hey, hey. You know, we don't always have to be like that. And I feel like it went in waves. Like, it was like, first, you know, it's like, it's not that John Waters like, hey, everything's freaky. It was like, now we're normal, we're getting married, like in that quote, normal way. And then now it's like, no, there's also like, I'm freaky and I'm like, hey girl, and like she loves it and all that kind of she, whatever. So I feel like the, like they say now, the first season, the first go around was about acceptance, right? And now it's about tolerance and now it's about acceptance. And they mean self-acceptance. So in a way, I'm like, I can't believe I'm sitting here deep down, you know, as a straight person, you're watching it going, oh my God, I'm so proud of these guys from Georgia. They're not murdering the five gays in their house. (laughs) They're not gay bashing. This is so cool. Oh my God, they let their kids see a gay person. I'm so moved. But at the same time, you can be moved by that because it's still that bad. So it's like, I don't know, but the episode that I had a problem with was, what's the name of the black guy? What's his name? What? I can't hear shit. Paramus? Spell it. Oh, Karamo, right, sorry. I'm deaf as fuck, sorry people. Karamo. I don't know anyone's name. Um, Karamo is the one black guy. So he's driving the car in this episode. Yes. Okay. All kinds of awkward. Okay. Quick question. Do you think that whole... Okay. So let me tell the audience what happens. He's making over... He's going to go make over a guy who's a cop. So he he and the, the other four gay guys are driving. Black guy driving. He gets pulled over by the police. And the policeman is like, do you have your license? And the guy's like, no, I don't have it, which I didn't understand that. You would think if you're like, I'm black and I don't have my license, like maybe don't drive in the, like just in the South or just anywhere or just, you know what I mean? Like you would think he'd be paranoid about it because the whole episode, he's like, I'm paranoid about cops. So the cop pulls him over. I'm flagging that moment because I thought it was maybe staged. That's why I'm saying that. I'm not criticizing him. So the cop pulls him over. And he's like, what are you doing? You have your license? He's like, um, no. And all the other gay guys are like, wee, getting pulled over. And I'm like, oh my God, you guys, your driver's black. Stop it, stop it. Like, I'm freaking out. So the cop's like, what are you doing? And he's like, we're, um, we're filming a TV show. Yeah, what is it? Um, Queer Eye? Yeah, what do you do? We're going to make over someone? Yeah, you're making over my buddy. And they're like, oh my God. And so... That cop is suddenly super tolerant, hugging all of them. Like, yeah, it's my buddy John you're making over. Have fun, guys. You know, and then the black guy gets back in the car and they drive. And I'm like, was that real? So let's talk. Let's take it piece by piece because we're going to keep talking. Who here is, was that staged? He did seem like, though, he thought he was about to get shot. I think that was all set up. I mean, I know that pulling them over was set up, right? But do you think the black guy was in on it? 
Oh, he wasn't. That's what I mean by set up. So he really didn't know that they were going to get jokingly pulled over. That's so. Do you think they? Do you think the producers made him drive those so they could have that black cop? That's fucked. That's fucked. Well, then they had a really like bullshit moment later. Yes. So okay, let's let's talk about that. Yeah, come here, come here, take the mic. (laughs) Me and a white guy are gonna figure out race. Come on. That's what we do in Brooklyn. Okay, sir, what's your name? What's your name? Uh, My name's Alex. Hey, Alex, nice to meet you. Okay, so this is the moment that I was uncomfortable with. Yeah. So everything I do as an artist in the public eye (laughs) is I'm so worried I'm not woke enough. Everything I fucking do, every second, I'm like, oh my God. Like, I had a show I did here two years ago that I just rambled off the top of my head for two hours. And I put it out as a podcast. And I was so scared, because I know I've come so far in two years, that I'm like, what if they hear me say ignorant shit from two years ago? So I'm always crazy, ass crazy about that. So my point is, if I do anything that addresses race, class, sex, gender, I'm so paranoid that I'm not at the top of my knowledge about it, like breaking new ground. So I usually avoid it, or I You don't want to be a chapter behind. You what? Know, you don't want to be a chapter behind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because, because the criticism you get is so intense, it's as though people think you're trying to be a dick. So my point is, in this episode, the black guy and the, the white guy that they're making over are driving alone together. And, of course, they cut it down for time. It's like a two-minute conversation. I don't know how long the drive probably was, an hour, do you think? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I would imagine. So they're talking about race and whatever. So the black guy's basically like, you know, I didn't want to come here. Like, I had a bad feeling because of the cop and the pulled over and you know how it is, the black guys and the cops. And the cop immediately was like, basically not all cops. And then the black guy was like, oh, I can see that. And I'm like, what? Yeah, no. That's not it, that conversation, right? It was a perfect opportunity for some kind of conversation. Yeah. And there was, it was nothing. It was just like, well, yeah, cops' lives matter. Yeah, I guess you're right. Cops' lives do matter. Well, black lives matter too. Yeah, I guess you're right. Okay, like, turn off the GoPros. Let's yeah, get out of here. It like, was so... Yeah. It was this moment of like, I'm not saying the black guy did anything wrong. I'm just saying like, I know how he feels because I feel that way like when I'm talking to men that I'm like, I'm not going to get through to you about feminism, so I'm just going to condemn it down a little. Like, I just don't ever want that on tape. And so I couldn't believe that, like, the the internet wasn't going more crazy. Because Twitter was like, it's amazing. I'm like, you fucking assholes. Like, if I say him instead of they, you fucking, you know, like, attack me. And, And, but you like the fact that this guy was like, I can see not all cops. Like, that's not how he feels. You know that. Unless he's like a dum dum. But maybe I mean, you think people would have gotten more excited if there was more kind of Sir, conflict. Sir, you're in her or... way. You're in her way. You have to oh, notice I'm women. Sorry. Believe I'm women. Sorry. <laughs> um, She's so cute. I wish you saw the body language of that whole exchange. Yeah, no, I mean, no, you, gotta, sit down, sit down. you gotta yell at me earlier. Just you know, I she goes. She was like this. She's like, and she's very polite. And you're like, blah blah blah, taking up all yeah. the space. <laughs> See, this is more I. Don't you think that was deeper that we just went than We had a I? more meaningful conversation yes. that happened on that, on that bullshit yes. scene. Absolutely. Straight women. Are you straight? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm straight. Straight yeah. women and straight guy yeah. for everybody. Just, That's look, our we're making show. it work. Making it work. Thank you. Two mics. Yeah. Don't worry. We're almost done. We're almost done. I want some, someone out there, because we don't have time to fuck around. 
I'm not done with queer either, is going to come up here and help me give advice to a listener. So if you think you're the type that has the good ideas, but you're a little stage fright, now's the time to start pumping yourself up. Because I'm asking you in a couple minutes to come up here. So whoever you are, you know who you are. So start getting ready. Because I don't want to deal with all the when I ask you to come up. All right. Oh, Jesus. So, oh, Jesus. I'm on Mucinex and a hot toddy. <laughs> all right. This is what I want to talk about, too. And I have a lot of friends. All right. Queer Eye, then Frankie and Grace, and we can get into this. Grace and Frankie or Frankie and Grace? Grace and Frankie. The other thing about Queer Eye that stresses me out is like, and we know this from the first oeuvre of it, they're gonna, we need follow-up. You can't bullshit a reality show generation, which all of us are, whether you're 20, 30, 40, I mean, especially if you're 20, it's always been around. Me, my 40s, like, maybe it started, what, 20 years ago? Like, we've all been steeped in it now, and we all know there's the internet. Fucking follow-ups. I, I can't believe I went on Netflix.com and there was no follow-up. How do I know that that redneck is back with his third wife? The guy with the... Don't we love the guy with the lupus on his face? We love him. I need to know if he's back with a woman. How do you know? Where'd you find out? It's on Vulture? How does Vulture know? Is it on Netflix.com? Who tweeted it? See, this is what I'm talking about. Do you see on my generation? Like, we sort of get it. I'm like, there should be an internet follow-up. You're like, you just follow them on Twitter. Oh. I'm dumb. I wonder if she was bullshitting the whole time. She probably was. Okay, everyone's crying at Queer Eye. I'm crying a little bit, too. It's very touching, especially when they found the Trump-Pence signs in that guy's house, and, and they were just not happy about it. But it makes me, it makes me happy in a way, because it kind of reminds me of my dad, who voted Trump, and, and I, I really am... It's, it's that terrible position you're in where you know someone is in the last t- 22 years of their life, and you like, I love them, but I'm so offended by who they are now that I'm just, I don't want to be around you. And there's times where I really don't want to be around him. And then I know my dad, and I know his heart, and he's, he's like these guys on the show, and that's why I get misty-eyed about it, is when I taped my Netflix special here in New York, my parents were in it. And I flew them in, and they stayed in the Lower East Side for two days. My dad was confused. He thought he was in Brooklyn. He loved it. He was like, I love Brooklyn. I'm like, you're on the Lower East Side. He's like, whatever. But they never, that's not New York to, like, elderly people from Boston. Like, that, he was in the real dirty, you know, whatever. We might think it's, like, gentrified and Whole Foods, but to them it's not, like, big buildings and the Rockettes, so they still don't know. They're like, ooh, it looks kind of seedy. And he was loving it, like... And he, he knows my gay friends and my friends that aren't white. And he's got... He, anyone he meets that's not white, anyone he meets who's gay, he so lights up around it. Because I can see when he's around actual difference that he's energized and excited. And my mom really changed as a person. I mean, I don't need to credit myself, but I am 10 years younger than my siblings. And I had this theater life and come to New York. And I remember when I started doing comedy in the 90s in New York, my mom was in her late 60s and she came to... 
New York and went to Luna Lounge with me and saw like Mark Maron and all these people and took the subway with me and we went out drinking till 3 a.m. and she stayed in my shitty apartment and like she's cool, you know? And like she took this class at, at her school that she works at where they were trying to kind of unracist the white people and they were like, they were basically like, like that's the conversation that the guy should have had with the cop is like, when you see a black guy, you get scared. And, it, and I'm sorry to tell you that you do, but you do because you don't know black culture. So you don't know like a black guy who's just a black guy from a guy who's a bad guy that happens to be black. Like you, you really look at color first. Like, and it's okay, you're not racist, but you, that's why they get defensive. And so my mom was telling me she took this class and it was such a good point that they made was when you see a white teenager whether they're listening to Metallica or Nirvana or whatever, and they're trying to look tough, you laugh at them because you just see a teenager. You're like, okay, and they're walking through school, you know? But if an adult who's white, who's not used to it, sees a black teenager trying to act tough, that vulnerability of the fact that they're a teenager, the white person doesn't see it. It's not the same as seeing a white teenager try to act tough. There's suddenly a belief that person is tough. They're scary. And that was what the prejudice that my mom said all these people in the class had to confront was like, oh my God, we absolutely saw the black 13-year-old trying to be tough as actually a threat. And that was, took a lot for her to say. And she said to me, there was one black kid in her high school in the 50s, and he was really nice. And now she realizes, well, of course he was really nice. He had to fucking survive. He couldn't have anything wrong with him, you know? And for her to be saying that 79 is, is a beautiful thing. And so even though my parents voted for Trump, like, I know their hearts. And, and when I'm around them, they're so curious and they're so excited about all things that aren't them. They, they aren't ignorant. And that's what gives me hope is, like, maybe if they weren't propagandized, they actually are on my side. And when I see these rednecks with the excitement, the five gay guys are in their house around their kids, I'm like, okay, so it just makes me feel better that like not everyone's heart is broken and evil. It's, it's really propaganda. So in that way, that's why I'm crying when I watch it. But I'm not exactly moved because they had this terrible conversation about the police. And that's because I'm better than everyone. Anyway, so... <laughs> What else? Grace and Frankie. I have friends on the show. I really like the show. I have friends that produce the show, that act on it. What? I need to talk to someone about this, but no one I know watches it. And I can't exactly email my friends on it. Like, hey, there's some weird acting. I'm not even trying to be funny. Is Sam Waterstone... I'm not joking. Is he a stroke survivor? No, I'm not trying to be funny. What is he... What is happening? They want him to look like a survivor. They do? Both of them are quite relaxed. But okay. He did is? Because I've never watched the NCIS or whatever. CSI or whatever. Law and Order. I've never seen an episode. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't like murder stuff. It freaks me out. Men are like, what? I'm like, I don't like shows where women get killed. Um, Or anyone gets killed, really. I'm a baby. I'm a baby. I'm a weirdo. Um, okay, but here's the thing. So in that show, like, Martin Sheen will be like, um, well, I, like, his acting's normal. And he's like, well, I love you, honey. And then Sam will be like, if his line's supposed to be like, well, then let's actually try to like each other. 
like, you know, actually you would emphasize, like, well, then let's actually try to like each other. I'm like, wait, you're saying the words weird. It seems like it's like one take and they're like, got it. And I'm like, no, he's, the words aren't right. Like, the acting is weird. Is Something's off with that show, right? Really? So you think it's a choice? Right? That's what I thought. I was like, I think he's. I, but then even uh, Lily Tomlin says things weird sometimes. It's like they're the same character. Yeah. Well, they have good chemistry, Lily and him, but they don't have like great chemistry sometimes. Like. With their part, I don't know. It's weird, but I also think you've got the woman who produced Friends doing a single cam, and so maybe there's some sort of like moment where the laugh track should be or something. Either way, I love the show. That's all I wanted to say. All right, I just, I guess I couldn't really talk to you guys about it. Um, I could. You actually, you answered my question. Um, we're gonna end the show. We're gonna do an. No, I have to do the ad last. I have to do an ad that's gonna air next week, live. And it's going to be awkward that I have to do it last, but it has to do with taping. It's so annoying. Oh, my God, I didn't even start the episode correctly. I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 225, live from the Bell House. Go to iTunes, write a review, give it five stars. <laughs> At I Seem Fun podcast on Twitter, facebook.com slash I Seem Fun podcast. Oh, no, 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 we're not going re- to cut this in at the beginning. You don't have to do that. Send an email to iSeemFun at gmail.com. Okay. God, I hope you guys had fun tonight. Now, before we do that, somebody got blown off by a friend on Facebook, and they want my advice. And I want you to give them the advice. So who? how about this? Tell me how I should do it. Do you want me to read the letter? And then, based on the letter, if you feel compelled to give advice, will you do it? Okay. Now, know in your heart, that you might feel compelled. I don't want to waste time getting people up here. I don't know why I'm so upset. I'm obsessed with that for some reason. (laughs) My voice is about to die. Okay. Hi, Jen. I know people say you shouldn't take Facebook too seriously, but it's part of our lives now, and things that happen on there do affect us. Well, they affect me. Oh, the fucking election was stolen with it. No, of course it's affecting. Um, About 15 years ago, I don't talk about politics on the live ones because you guys react. At home, I could just say crazy shit. And I'm like, well, they'll fast forward. Um, about 15 years ago, I was going through a very dark time. I was recovering from a serious illness and had even briefly been homeless because I couldn't work. During this period, a local yoga teacher allowed me to do classes with her for very little money and sometimes for free. To this day, I am grateful for how she helped me and got me through that time. My confidence improved, and some of the stuff she taught me in her class, I still use in my life. I always wondered about her as I live in a different country now and hadn't had contact with her for many years. I had looked for her on Facebook but never found her until recently. I'm not sure if she just joined Facebook or if I just haven't been able to find her. But as soon as I saw her profile, I sent her a message. I said, I just wanted to let you know that you changed my life. Thank you so much. Well, that was a few weeks ago, and I know she has seen the message. She's never replied. I didn't expect a huge correspondence. I didn't even expect us to be Facebook friends. 
I didn't even send a friend request, but she has not even acknowledged my message, and it hurts. I've also had friends, friend requests rejected or ignored recently by a couple of old friends who clearly are not interested in reconnecting with me. I know it shouldn't matter, but it does. These people were important to me, and I still care about them. It's a shock to find out they don't feel the same way. Jen, I know I have to get over this, but I wonder if you have any insight to add. Does anyone have any insight? Come on up, sir. Oh, it's, I mention you in my podcast all the time. I should have brought you up from the fucking beginning, Lodro. Get up here. Oh, my God, you guys. It's famous celebrities. Sit down. Take the mics. Wait, can I just tell everyone who you are? You don't want to talk about you on my podcast? I recommend your book. Tell them your book about heartbreak. I t- everyone emails me about heartbreak. I tell them to read it. It's called Love Hurts. It's sort of a downer. No, it's not. It's very... It is. Well, I mean, if you're, if you're reading a book that's called Love Hurts, it, you, you're probably already there. Yeah, but I, mean, I, think it's so, I think it's so important because a lot of people email me about heartbreak. I'm like, well, I, I don't know how to help you, but that book is amazing. Um, Lodra Rinsler, everybody. Um, founder of Mindful Meditation Center... They're so excited. Does anyone here go to Mindful? Thank him. He started the whole fucking thing. You, you get a free class just for saying that. <laughs> You've probably never been, and that's okay. You still get a free he class. He has been. <laughs> okay, he has been. Well, you're, so, you're a very negative Buddhist. Wow. Well, that's, no, I just I made that. I'm just called being Love silly. Oh, my God. Did you hear the podcast I'll I turn did? turn this at his, around. His, um, Jen came to- on for something we call Mindful at Night. Yeah. And she was very funny. And it was a late wonderful. night show at the Mindful Studio, and it was super fun. We did an interview. I put it on the I Seem Fun page on Facebook, jerks. I said it's extra I Seem Fun. Anyway, I love that you have an opinion on this. I wonder. I wish we could sidebar really quick yeah. about the opinion. I do. Also. Yeah, continue. I was sitting there with my friend. He goes, oh, we both know that yoga teacher, don't we? <laughs> you do? No, I'm not going to say who it is, though. Wait. Because that's not very Buddhist to me. But wait a minute. Why do you think you know this yoga teacher? Oh, because, come on. You don't think it just means all yoga teachers are the same? That's probably true, too. But, you know. Who's the yoga teacher? Are they here in Brooklyn? Mm -mm. No, they don't live here anymore. They they moved out of New York. They couldn't. couldn't. No, I'm not going to do that. Are they famous? Are they like yoga to the stars kind of person? I mean, not yoga to the stars, but I mean like yoga to a a handful of people, (laughs) which is big in, you know, the yoga world. Is it yoga to the people? No, it's not oh, yoga to the Oh, because there's a I'm place not, called yoga no. to the people. I'm not throwing anyone under the bus. That's not what this is about. It's not Mindy Iyengar or whatever. That's not even a name. No, she's, <laughs> she's Jen Aniston's yoga teacher. That's the only famous yoga teacher okay, I know. Okay, we get it. Well, you know Jen Aniston. No, no, it was a... No, <laughs> <laughs> no it has nothing to do with... I don't, I don't. It was... She mentions her name in articles. That's how she got over Brad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deflect. Is doing yoga with Mindy. But do you know that I went to a Waldorf school? <laughs> <laughs> no Wait, I, tell me everything Can I just tell you one funny story? I'm, I'm so down I get to relax So Jen but you was 100% turned it okay. right nah. So <laughs> Jen was 100% right And I didn't learn any history growing up And then I transferred into like uh, Mainstream school in high school And um, I was in college And uh, this is too much information But I was I, Spent a night with a woman who is from Greece. In a sexual way? Yeah. Oh, okay. We don't know. And growing up, I only... Because you talked about history, I had mm-hmm. learned Roman mythology. I had learned um, Greek mythology. 
And I was laying in bed next to her the next morning. I thought, oh, I bet she actually doesn't believe in Zeus anymore. <laughs> actually, I, no one told me that they didn't believe in Zeus. I actually grew up not realizing that they had that that was like converted history. over at any point. Yeah. Waldorf education. Did you everybody. know about like Martin Luther King and the Holocaust or Who? anything like that? <laughs> did you? Did you I really didn't so learn that? For that one. Was that? Did you really not learn that stuff? No. When did you learn it? In high school. And did when it, I converted out of that. Do you think it affected you more? Like, do you wish you had known it sooner? Well, I mean, I did write a book called Love Hurts after. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's like a book on heart. But you were always meditating, right? That's true. I, I feel meditating. like it gives you a higher consciousness anyway. Like, in a way that, like, when you get down to it, all the stuff you learn, to end up dealing with it, you end up meditating. So if you started there, it's sort of like it's a good thing. Fair enough. Whereas my friend... There's nothing to offer her kid except we're not going to tell you anything. So now tell everyone you grew up family Buddhist. Family Buddhist. That's the technical term, yes. <laughs> and, and you teach classes and you also run the place. That's all true, yeah. And everyone who wants to know more about, listen to Dan Harris's podcast, 10% Happier. Great interview with you on there. Great interview with her on there as well. Oh, they know. No, they don't. They don't care. They care nothing about my life. They listen to the podcast. Do you guys know that Jen meditates? They don't. They don't believe, yeah. they don't believe me because of yeah. that bit I did. Well, I don't believe you because you haven't been to Mindful lately. Oh. I went twice last week. Did you really? I went I to the West. I take it back. I take it back. No, I went, I went to the West Village one. Yeah. Can I tell you I was really annoyed with this one guy? <laughs> Please. Oh, my God. It's the best. So just like any questions. And this one guy was like, keep bringing it back, back to the breath. So that's all I do. I sit here. I go, Ugh. Keep bringing it back. Keep bringing it back. I'm not getting any better at it. And I was like, that's what meditation is, is you keep noticing and you keep going back. And it's sometimes every second. There's never a whole minute where you're, right? Yeah. And so the teacher was trying to explain it. And he was just being condescending to her. And she goes, you're expanding your attention span. He's like, but it's not getting any better. And she's like, well, it's, it's helping out. Like, in other words, for me, meditation, spending a half hour a day bringing it back to this, I notice without trying in my real life, I'm not overreacting to things. I'm, I'm actually noticing, oh, I'm feeling this. I want to kill that person. Oh, I feel less than, but that... And I notice it from an observer's point of view, and I go, okay, well, I need to not react. So all those moments where I'm failing in meditation, yes. You're actually rewiring the brain. I'm not going to... Yeah, you're rewiring the the brain for those moments. Yeah. Yeah. So other... The woman teaching the class was... It wasn't her fault. He just wasn't listening to her. And this other guy basically just said what we said. And then I said, it's not about your attention span in meditation. It's about real life. And he goes, yeah, in real life, I'm really good. It's here that I'm terrible at it. And yeah, I go, that's our fault. And I'm like, why are we even having, I, all this, I couldn't believe I broke into the group discussion. Because whenever at the end of the session, they go, does anyone have anything to say? I, I always sit in the front row because I'm a dork. No, I and then I keep ball. my head down. Yeah. And then I'm like, now I'm talking and I don't even want to. And then I had to go. She's like, oh, we can extend five minutes later. But I couldn't. I'm like, gotta go. So I just tell this guy what I think. I'm like, peace out. And I felt like a jerk. But anyway, I feel like because you gave me a lifetime membership, I feel like when I come in, do they see that when I check in? No. Oh, fuck. 
I want them to. Because okay, I done. can't meditate without them knowing I'm special. That's a good point. Yeah. So you know I want what happened them to, to that guy, like, though? What guy? He died. Shut up. <laughs> Kidding. He's we, fine. I'm sure he's just being an asshole somewhere. I love it. That's why you're my favorite. Because, see, this is New York Buddhism. Yeah. L.A. is like, everybody, hi. Hi. Like, we have to act like everything's okay. But no, here, it's, it's, it's just like... unicorns. Yeah. I love it. Anyway. So here, here's why I raised my hand. What's your advice? Now... She sort of asked two questions. One was about the yoga teacher that changed your life. And then the other one was friend requests that were ignored. I feel that's less important to me than the person who she said, you changed my life and didn't write back. That's, that's what I have thoughts on. This is why I raised my hand, though. Okay, good. Because, so I wrote that book, Love Hurts. Now, Love Hurts is like, okay, you have heartbreak and... Heartbreak comes in many forms, and it could be a relationship ending. It could be death of someone. There's many ways. Um, I foolishly included one chapter in that saying, if you feel like you'll never love again. And there's a story around it where I felt that way, and I called up a friend, and that friend's like, no, I know you will. Yeah. And I said, if you actually feel that way in this moment... Send me your phone number. Here's my personal email address. I couldn't believe you did that. I get it every day. Someone emails <laughs> me and says, I will never love again. And if they just give me their phone number, I'm effing lucky. But more often than not, they're like, here's what happened. And oh, they just I tell know. me the whole story. Like, here's exactly what happened. It's always the longer it is, the more yeah. it's like, the answer is always the same. Let go, send them love. It'll come yeah. back if it's meant to be. So it sucks. It's like this daily practice of actually calling up a complete stranger and be like, oh, I hope it goes to first mile. I hope it goes. You call them back? I call them back. I call every single human being back, which is because I fucking put out a book and I was like, okay, yeah. You know, I couldn't I, believe I, you put your I fucking did this. info in there. And I think it's bullshit if someone who's like, actually, like, I'm in the wellness world and sunshine and unicorns and everything is beautiful and you don't actually like stand by, okay, you're going through a hard time because who else goes to those things? And you don't actually like act, relate to those human beings. So I think that's bullshit. I think that's absolute bullshit for that yoga teacher. And we should name that person, drag them through the mud. Well, you said you know who they are and you won't name them. Can you say sounds like... No, because I don't know if it Sounds like Mindy Key. Rodney Yee? Nope. (laughs) You only got one guess and that's it. But Rodney Yee rhymes with Mindy Key. No, I'm sure Rodney's a perfectly fine person. I don't know. I don't don't think it's like a famous yogi, though. Okay, fine. But I think it is bullshit that people are like, I help everyone. I just trying to help. And then you don't even respond. I think that's actually like, that's how you know the charlatans, man. Yeah, the jerk. Team? Yeah, they. <laughs> we don't know what they are like. Well, I'll get, can I, was, I was about to speak to that, maybe not exactly, but to the other side was, I have two thoughts. Okay. I think one you'll like, it's very Buddhist. But let me give the mean one first. I'm okay with the mean one. The mean one was more like in the public eye. Um, I don't know who this yoga teacher is. I never took them, took it to mean they're like a celebrity yoga person. I took it to mean like they just teach a class. In that same way where you're a wellness teacher who did not give out their personal info. Fair. And were found. It can be one of those in the same spiritual way. Of course I changed your life because you changed your life. You were open to what I was giving, and I didn't make it up. I just had it 
learned through me and I gave it to you and, and it's all in you. And if I take the compliment, I become your guru and it's too personal and I don't, can't handle it. Fine. But can't you just like respond and be like, I'm so sorry you're feeling that way. Of course you can. Like that's, it doesn't have to be And if it starts getting crazy, that's when you lay down the boundary. Just be like, yep. Hey, I get it. You're having a hard time. I'm so sorry that you're having a hard time. I hear you. And by and the like, way, you don't have to you don't have to solve anything. This woman wasn't even having a hard time. She was saying you helped me when I did have one. Awesome. Thank you yeah. so much. Like why can't you just yeah, say that? Absolutely. So I get where this woman was afraid to write back. Okay. But but that's her deficiency because she needs to trust. She can't control and manage other people by putting up a wall. She has to say thank you so much and then it, have the fear, oh, I hope it doesn't get too intense, back and forth. And if it does, then you set the boundary. That's what life is. It's little baby steps. And every day you don't know like, how someone's going to react. And you have to be in the moment. You can't push them away. Now, the thing that I would say to the woman, do not let the fact that this woman didn't write you back overshadow the fact that your life was changed by someone. That is beautiful And if your life was changed by someone, then that's your miracle. And that's what was meant to happen. And you don't need to tell her. And she doesn't need to know. That's your little goody, goody, wrap yourself up in it. Not many people get to say that. I love that I'm the one that's like, fuck that person. And you're like, no, you're wonderful as is. You're wonderful as is. That's why you're my favorite Buddhist meditation person because you're so often... But I, I, This is why I love you because you see the good in everyone. Absolutely. Everyone. No, I don't. I think you do. No, I do. <laughs> but don't tell them because then they talk okay. to me after the show. Okay. <laughs> I kid. All right. Get out of here. I got to do an ad. Lodra right, Rinsler, everybody. Go to Mindful Meditation. You have a ton of books, though. Buddha walks into a bar... Are you, you're a millennial. You're like one of the ones that's successful. How old are you? You're not Gen X. Are you? I don't know. Let's look it up. Look it up and shout out. What is he? Old millennial. Someone said, put you out to pasture. Old millennial. She, this woman has got anger in her voice. Old millennial. Okay, so we're going to end the show, and then I'm going to do an ad, which is going to be awkward. No, you know what? We're going to do this, and I'm going to give them the time code. So we're not going to end the show yet. We're going to do an ad. It's not going to air this week. I was going to do an article about Brandeis cancels a play written by Lenny Bruce because it was offensive. I can't even. Okay. (laughs) All right, guys. The Penis from Venus is out. Until next week, have fun. (laughs) 